Welcome to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is a community helping New Yorkers embody the love of Christ for the good of our neighbors. For more information, go to goodshepherdnewyork.com. May you be filled with curiosity, grace, and peace as we listen and learn together through this sacred text. And now a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 11, verses 16 through 30. To what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We have played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. We're so glad that you're joining us again this week. And this morning we have a special guest, Tyler Schwartz. Tyler is the founder of Chess at Three, but he's also a magician. And he's been doing these shows called The Poor Brain, uh, across New York, and he's even been doing some shows during quarantine, which is kind of cool. Uh, Tyler is a good friend. He's also a parishioner uh, from the beginning, since the founding of our congregation. When I first met Tyler, he said, you know, I have a hard time staying awake during uh, most sermons, um, so if I fall asleep during one of yours, no offense. And uh, I think I'm proud to say, I don't believe that Tyler's ever fell, fallen asleep during any of my sermons. Uh, he might have walked out of the room a couple of times, but uh, we've never seen him fall asleep, but he's quite a good preacher. We've had him preach in our congregation, uh, multiple times, and, uh, it's always exciting to hear, uh, his take on a text. So, uh, he's married to Jess, um, and has, uh, two lovely children, Talia and Walker. And we're so excited uh, for you to hear and listen to Tyler Schwartz. Hi there. My name is Tyler Schwartz, and I'm thrilled to be speaking with you this morning from the historic Greenwood Cemetery. My beautiful wife and two wonderful kids and I were quarantined for three months in New York City. And this was the only place that was open that we could come. So we spent a lot of time here and found a lot of peace and solace in this sacred city of the dead. And it has turned into my favorite place. So I found it appropriate to choose it to talk with you all this morning. Um, I'm 
honored to be asked to speak at this incredibly important time in American history when America is fighting two battles. One is with the novel coronavirus, which originated in Wuhan, China, infecting over millions and killing hundreds of thousands of Americans. The other battle America is currently fighting is my generation's civil rights movement. And at the center of that movement is the need to get our black friends the equal rights that they deserve and to change or dismantle any system that thinks otherwise. I think Jesus has some fresh ideas for us this morning, so if it's all right with you, I'd, I'd like to get into it. Christians have been living in a shutdown economy for over 2,000 years. That's because when Jesus died on the cross, he took out the economy of sin management with him. Uh, sin management, what is it? There's a religious version and a non-religious version as well. The religious version is, um, oh, hi, my hand is a religion now. It's full of people and rules. And uh-oh, someone broke one of those rules. Now, that person is in debt to the religion and has to pay something to get back into the black of this religion's PL sheet. It also works in non-religious functions as well. Uh, karma, essentially, is sin management. Um, how does that work? Well, look, I do a good thing. And not only do I get to experience the goodness of that good thing now, I also put that good thing on a big lazy Susan and wait for it to come back around to me again. If I do a bad thing, ooh, that didn't feel good. But now also, there's a bad thing out there coming around for me again. Specifically, before Jesus came, there was the Jewish system of atonement. And we don't have much time, so I have to uh, uh, criminally oversimplify this, so I apologize for that. But uh, essentially, families would gather um, their sacrifices, often animals, often sheep. Sorry, sheep. And they would make an annual pilgrimage to a temple where they would give their family sacrifice to a priest. And that priest would present that sacrifice to God. And then that family would be clear for another year. And these systems have good intentions behind them. What they're trying to do, I think, is to add incentives to good behavior and bad behavior to make people better. <laughs> uh, they want to make uh, a double down on don't do bad things because not only will it hurt now, it'll hurt later as well. The problem with the Jewish system of atonement that Jesus came into was it was very, no, it's not very easy. It was easier for one group of people than it was for another. It was a lot easier for rich people than it was for poor people. And I don't think it's too difficult to understand why. Rich enjoy fabulous margins with which to live their life, and so it's easier for them to atone for their sins. The poor don't have that. But it's not only the amount of money they have. Um, let me say this about rich dudes, about rich folk. If I know rich folk well, and I think that I do. Um, if you're rich and you atone for your sins with sheep, 
you get a sheep guy. You make friends with shepherds. You maybe even start a farm so that atoning for sin kind of becomes your business. That's how you stay rich. Rich get cheap sheep. Uh, the poor people have to save up for sheep. They probably rather eat than sacrifice. So the problem with the system was rich get cheap sheep. The poor have to save for sheep to sacrifice they'd rather eat. Jesus looks at both the rich and the poor and says, look at me, look at me. I'm the sheep now. Jesus called himself the Lamb of God. When he died on the cross, God found that sacrifice so perfect that he wiped out all the good and all the bad deeds. People forget about the good deeds a lot too. For all the rich and all the poor people for all of time. And all of a sudden, things become very, very different. The first are the last and the last are now first in the kingdom of heaven. The first four words of Jesus' first sermon are incredibly baffling and they're incredibly unique. They were, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor. There are a lot of religions, Christianity included, that mandate care for the poor because it's the ethical thing to do. But that's not what Jesus is saying right here. He's not saying care for the poor. He's saying blessed are the poor. There are even some religions that mandate poverty, that say, don't look over here or over there. There are too many salacious, exciting, distracting things that will take your eyes off the prize. So live a simple life, and then in the next life, then you'll get to live it up. And that's not what Jesus is saying either. He's saying blessed are the poor. If you type in like hashtag uh, on Instagram, hashtag blessed, you'll see uh, private jets, champagne, friends, things there to be enjoyed and that you're lucky to have. Is Jesus saying the people who are poor are lucky to have it? Because that sounds offensive. (laughs) Um, Here's what I think Jesus is saying. You have the Jewish system of atonement and you have rich people having an easier time of it than their poor counterparts. Jesus is looking at those poor people and saying, you are not enjoying this system because of your poverty. You're poor at it. The system isn't working for you. It's a broken system and you're getting the short end of the stick, which means you're gonna be more motivated to want to leave. Not because the kingdom of God is good, which it is, but it's more about that your system is broken and it's not working for you. And you're motivated to cross the line because you're not happy with where you are. Blessed are the poor. I'll sum it up in a sentence. The poor have to save, to sacrifice sheep they'd rather eat. And Jesus caters. Selah. What about for the non-religious? What about for karma? What does the kingdom of God say to the karma? Well, Jesus is not... Uh, shy about saying he didn't come for the righteous. He came for sinners. 
if you're a like good person, if you've done a lot of good things and put those on the lazy Susan of life and Jesus offers to clear the books for you, you're like, no, um, I'm good. I got, I got a lot of good things coming back at me and I'm, I'm kind of waiting for that investment to pay off. But if you've been a jerk to people, if you've hurt people, if you've been hurting yourself, if you've done things that are bad and you know those are coming back around to you and Jesus says, want me to clear your books? You say, yes, please. Blessed are the poor. And now for the rich. The poor rich. I think the problem with the rich is that they've gotten very, very good at atoning for their sins, but they haven't worshipped anything but themselves in a long time. And I think that is the very mindset we see with the questions that are being posed to Jesus in this verse. Let's, I'm going to um, take a tone that I think Jesus would be having. This generation is like, is like children. They say, I played a song, a happy song, why didn't you dance? I played a sad song, why didn't you mourn? Let's take the themes of that question and keep them the same, but turn them a little bit in the light. I did a good thing. Aren't you impressed? I did a bad thing. Are you disappointed? Let's turn it again. I did this. Why didn't you do that? I did this. Why didn't you do that? It's because that's not how Christianity works. Christianity works like this. Jesus gets the dirge so that you get to dance. Jesus gets death so that you get life. Your relationship with God has nothing to do with what you do. It has everything to do with what Jesus did and the death he died. Period. But uh, this guy over here doesn't eat or drink. He's crazy. He has a demon. But the Son of God, he, he eats and drinks, but um, he's friends with some deplorable people, with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus does not engage these arguments. He doesn't say, well, let's talk about food. Is it good or bad? What do you think? And I think the reason he doesn't engage these questions is, is because these questions reveal that the people who ask them are more interested in staying in a system that is broken because it serves them. It's very hard. And Jesus knows that that's the true problem, not their argument. And so he just leaves them with, wisdom will be known by her deeds. I live in between a police station and a federal prison in Brooklyn, which will sound weird if you're not from New York but it's not weird. And I think those are two great examples of systems that demand reform. And I think they're very alike in terms of treating people differently to the system that brought Jesus to earth in the first place. And I think that Jesus would have fought against those systems incredibly hard, even to the death. I also know that he would have been friends with everyone. That's, isn't it funny that that's what this person is mad at in this verse? Uh, you, you eat or drink, but it's with bad people. 
So that's my challenge to us this morning, is to think of someone or maybe even a group of people that's untasteful, the problem to you. I would challenge you to befriend someone from that group. Now listen, if you think hockey players are the problem, don't get up and, and go find a, a, a ice rink right now, okay? Hockey players might be very tired. But the next time you meet a hockey player, attempt earnestly to buy them a beer or to have a meal with them and get to know them because it's what Jesus did. And so I'll leave you with the great paradox of Christianity is that because of Jesus' sacrifice, your deeds don't matter anymore. So what are you going to do about it? Thank you for listening to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is an interdenominational church centered around the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Our church is theologically rooted in the Apostles and Nicene creeds, but we welcome people of any or no religious backgrounds to participate in our community. If you would like to support us, please text Good Shepherd NY, all lowercase with no spaces, to 77977. That's Good Shepherd NY to 77977. Or visit our website, goodshepherdnewyork.com. Thank you for listening.